ladies and gentlemen, Peter Gabriel's Big Time, the opening song of Inside Job, a documentary narrated by Matt Damon about the 2008 housing bubble and the stock market and everything else going uh, completely awry uh, in lieu of those world events, the mischievous things that people have done. They will tell us that we need them and that what they do is too complicated for us to understand. They will tell us it won't happen again. They will spend billions fighting reform. It won't be easy. But some things are worth fighting for. Correlating with this episode about consistency from the desk of Michael L. Craver, presenting to you another episode on the way to the half-century mark. The production value, the quality getting higher and higher, big time. Look, if, you, um, if you've enjoyed the episodes, I hope this one is something that it's easy to connect the dots. The old saying that I have, I <laughs> say, so you, you won't be very good at astrology if you're not good at connecting the dots. Folks, I have enjoyed myself talking about many, many things about enabling and memories, changing moods. And today's consistency is something that I, I hope each and every one of you looks at in your life. If it's because you have traditions that you continue to carry on and you stake your flag in that ground. One of my favorite songs from Iron Maiden. Coming home. And they talk about Albion's land, which is an old term for England, the island. They have another wonderful song that always gets me going. These colors don't run. And you talk about their fathers leaving home and the, the Navy, the voyages of setting their sights on something greater. Discovery, the unknown. Now, consistency, as I've just read in the news here, mathematics under attack <laughs> for apparently uh, mathematics is, is on the chopping block in many places uh, due to its roots that have something to do with racism or supremacy. or <laughs> I, I couldn't make this up. Um, I wouldn't make this up, perhaps, is, is the proper way of saying that. But consistency. Two plus two is four. Four times one is four. And eight divided by two is four. And, right? and so as the world goes around, apparently there is a new take on mathematics that having a right and a wrong answer can be prejudicial, can be something that is holding people back. It's an oppressive process to hold people to the right and the wrong. Now take this across the board. You want to be able to play in a community sport. I have scored more goals than you, more baskets, more touchdowns, right? My total 
and the box score is higher than yours. But if mathematics don't matter, then we're just equal and we all get a trophy anyway, right? It all comes back to that handout attitude. And it's a strange thing because our country has not consistently been about these practices. In modern times, things have strangely trended in a different direction. Um, And there's enough people in this country that several things can be, though divisive, though completely opposite, several things can be gaining traction and taking place at the same time. So if you're out there and you think there's only one way to do something, there's no alternatives, there's no, you may consistently believe that you have to eat this way. It's the only way to be able to get to your goal. You may think this is the only way that you can drive to get to work. I assure you, there's an alternate route. Consistency, in and of itself, is a wonderful thing for habitual creatures, for human beings. Right? You love music, so you got the four-bar sections of music, and you love rhythm, and okay, this is where the piano comes in, and this is where the guitar comes in. And we love that, right? Because as people who have accepted norms, those are things and patterns that you look for. You watch... I'm sorry, television, I was getting ready to say radio or media and lump all those words into one phonetic right there. But in any production, people consistently look for the opening credits. First act, second act. When they're writing something, they look at that consistency of the opening paragraph. Okay, here's the three in the body and the closing paragraph. Okay, just like they taught us in English 101. However, consistency can be your ally and it could be a tool to use for an element of surprise, right? If people consistently believe everybody always, you know, I'm a a huge wrestling fan, right? So the guys always march down the aisle. Here's the guy, he's got his microphone in his hand. I'm going to kick the next guy's ass that walks through that curtain. Come on down. You know, and then the guy runs out through the crowd and he jumps in the ring and just terrorizes him from behind. Element of surprise. He was inconsistent with the previous actions that people had, right? He's unpredictable. And right now, there are there was a, an unprecedented snowstorm winter event across, I think, half the states, 25 states. Hadn't been done before. It's inconsistent with history. Climate change being something that was inconsistent with history. Though, people will try to tell you that because of the carbon emissions and the footprint and the effect that the Industrial Revolution has had on the environment, that it actually is consistent. And it's consistent with these actions, right? So the change in and of itself is not the natural pattern of the world. However, it is consistent with the actions of human beings. Hmm. It is not consistent for us to just die slamming into each other at 100 miles an hour. However, the more that we have automobiles, the more frequent accidents become, whether it be because of weather conditions or texting, or, you know, right? It's an accident. Then it becomes more consistent, and you have statistics and a trend that backs up those things, and it becomes a consistency. So it's much like I've talked about before with statistics. You can argue with statistics, 
But just remember there's a portion of that pie that's unpredictable because 28% of all statistics are made up. Whatever it is. Whatever you think it is. Now, folks, consistency is what you make it, right? You have a relationship that's going very, very good, and you take a new job. You have some change in the family dynamic, or otherwise, it can now become very inconsistent. You're introducing a strange element, right? Now, you may not know where that pattern is going to go until you step back and you have time to reflect and look on that with a fresh set of eyes that is measurable, right? Because it's got to go from one point to another reasonable point before you start assuming things, before you start drawing conclusions. I said uh, in a piece that I was writing about consistency getting ready for this podcast that there are some consistencies that you would look for in a lab under a microscope. And there are some consistencies that you're only going to be able to see at a great distance. With a telescope. It's important. And I spoke about this with bubbles. How big is your bubble? Is it around you? Is that all you care about? Or do you care about the people in the bubble the size of the planet Earth? Right? How big is your thought process? People have often told me that I'm a big picture kind of guy. And yet they argue minute pieces of things. And I made this example. You got a nice American apple pie crust, filling, you got some whipped cream you're going to put on top, some vanilla ice cream, whatever. Now there's going to be crumbs left over, there's going to be residue, and there's just going to be waste, right? It's on the plate, or you missed your mouth, or you dropped it on the counter, whatever it might be. Maybe it was on the cutting room floor, so to speak, or it didn't make it into the pie because that was extra ingredient that just was left on the countertop, swept in the floor, whatever, right? Now, when you're arguing small things to me, you're arguing about those small crumbs. These things that, are they part of the big picture? Yes. Do they make up a significant percentage of the big picture? No. So when you're looking at consistency and you say, oh, you know, I'm looking around at the way people are getting treated if you have 300 million people, you could find a small trend of any kind. And you could find a, a large trend of, of any kind. Really, it's how you play with the statistics. And so when I say two things can be going on at the same time in a place this big, it's absolutely true. Could there be institutional racism? Well, the Supreme Court says no, right? Because anytime you see that happening, you get a hold of the ACLU or you take out a civil suit or otherwise and you fight it. Now, if the court decides it existed, then it gets changed. If it decides it didn't exist, then guess what? It doesn't exist because that's why we trust the judicial process. Now, you could argue that that's wrong, but we have been consistent about following the court's decision and then reviewing things as appeals come up and in other cases for the last 300 years. That's not a bad thing. It's what we count on. It's consistency. You have a set of laws that says everybody going this fast is within the speed limit. Now, if you go over that, you're breaking the general statute of whatever state and province and territory you're in. 
and you're not speeding, you're breaking the law. Consistently, people get away with it. You get away with taxes. They attack each other. But it's important to look at things and know what minutia those things are in terms of the behavior of human beings. People are slightly reckless everywhere. They do it with their diets. They do it with the way they raise their children, the things they ignore. They're willfully ignorant to things like good information. They get out somewhere and don't have a jacket. And yet the weather forecast is available all around you, smartphones and otherwise. You've lived on this planet your entire life. You don't have any inclination to look at the skies or put your hand on a window pane or just open the door and have a good idea what the weather could be that day. It's not consistent. It's not regular for the weather to change 30 to 50 degrees. So you, got, you have a very bold and very real understanding of what the weather is just by sampling it like that. This is very true with so many things. You can test, you put your foot in the water. Oh man, I'm going to jump in this swimming pool. It's not going to turn into a boiling pot of the La Brea tar pits. It's not going to cook you. Like Hansel and Gretel? No, it's not, no. It's the fucking night. Can the pool heat up throughout the day? Yes, it could consistently heat up with the sun or a solar cover or otherwise. And it would range from this temperature to that temperature. And that's what consistency is. Even when you look at things on a relatively straight line, I mean, roads have curves, patterns have trends. I mean, it's very simple. And I talked about it in the previous episode about the biometrics that are going on in a hospital room, right? You've got the guy who's laying there, the woman who's laying there with a monitor on her chest or maybe, you know, the finger tab or whatever, and you're looking at his heart rate, do, 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 you know, and it's fluctuating up and down, the same as a polygraph might go up and down, up and down. And when things stop having consistency, perhaps an alarm goes off, or the person who's proctoring or administering the test, he's, he's going to make a mark there. Aha! This could be deception, or he could be flatlining. I mean, there's, the variation depends on the test. But that's an inconsistency, and that's alarming. That's why an alarm goes off. Pretty simple, right? You're driving along, car overheats, you get an indicator on your dashboard. It's inconsistent, get an alert. Very simple stuff, right? You're driving around, you card, you know, oh, what's what's going on with my phone? Weather alert, amber alert, emergency conditions. I mean, it could be a number of things, but it's inconsistent. And there is cause for alarm. And that's where we are with so many things in our country. You could look at whether it's a good or a bad consistency, but things have gotten far out of control in terms of accountability and being be truthful. So you have, if you've not watched a whole lot of the news, you know, it's so strange to think that Last year, there was this vast movement of people who were fighting oppression and fought like, you know, the years long, whether it be decades or centuries, of what they would call oppression or just a manipulation of the system that was skewed 
in this very unfair way, right? In a, di- in a dishonest way. Okay. And then <clears throat> I'm watching this impeachment trial. It's, it looks like almost it, it is a TV, but it's, it's like real life is now mirroring the storylines of fictional developments. You have a TV show where it would be dramatic for a prosecutor or someone who's sitting back to be able to manipulate evidence and try to put, we're going to finish that guy off. We're going to put him in jail. We're going to give him the death penalty. We're going to give him what he deserves, whatever, whatever. Now, maybe you don't have the best evidence, but we could doctor that evidence up. You know, we can plant drugs on him. We can find fingerprints that weren't there. We can beat a confession out of him, whatever. We'll doctor the video footage. I mean, it's 2021. Why not, right? It's media. Is that honest? Hell no, it ain't honest. And what's so strange is to see that it's... It's become this increasingly dishonest environment, which is consistent, right? It's a consistent, regular, everyday pattern, an expected pattern of dishonesty. And you can look around, and you can look at the ingredients in the grocery store. Do you trust what's in what you're eating? Hell no, people don't trust it. Because they've consistently been lied to about things that need to be recalled, about the conditions of different products. Later, there'll be settlements, there'll be class action lawsuits, cancerous uh, news, and things that happen with studies. It's so strange that we live like this. And yet, we've become used to it because it's a consistently deteriorating moral fabric that we have in this country. When I think of consistency, I'm thinking about the, the relationship I have with, you know, I've been trying to outrun being an emotionally detached person for a very, very long time, right? So if I was to come around and say, I'm honest, and I have, you know, I really relate in this situation, I'm, you know, I'm trustworthy, I'm not taking chances and gambling and with feelings and hearts and minds and decisions. It's hard for somebody to look at that and think, yes, I see it, I feel it, I, let's invest in that. It's hard because it's inconsistent. It's not a pattern you've seen before. So when the guy comes out of the rehabilitation, when he comes out of incarceration or probation or he's been in an exercise program, he's had weight loss surgery, there's... So many examples someone could give for this yield sign of life where you're merging into another lane. And folks will look at you as if you're fresh on that highway, you don't have a track record, you are still someone they should be skeptical of. This is a decision they cannot yet believe in. There's no blind faith for it. They're protecting themselves and they are making decisions that are cautionary with whatever they want to call those things. If they want to call them boundaries or respect or, you know, these these words that they'll come up with to make you sort of earn your keep, to develop a measurable or a visible consistency. That's what they're looking for. They want to see a pattern they can trust. 
you put the kid on the bike. He's got the training wheels. All right, he's doing fine. How long do you hold on to his seat as you're walking behind him after you've taken off the training wheels before you really trust him to just let him go and he's not going to end up in disaster? Right? And then you're in disaster too because if the kid hurts himself, he's crying, you're upset, we, we all affect one another. And whether you think someone is your friend or your lover or whatever familial or community relationship you might have with somebody, if you cannot establish that sort of trust and faith in them when things change. It becomes a very regressive situation because you might have had speed, consistency, you know, you were a loyal customer before they changed something about their business practice, product, ingredients, whatever it might be. Now you don't know what to trust. Like it's a brand new frontier. It's a new day. We're, we're, I guess we're going to see what happens. And patience becomes your greatest ally then and for the future. Because that patience will deliver the ability to be able to look back and see how the track record plays out. Patience will also be a wonderful tool that you will develop and keep whether you're in a winning or a losing situation, you can take that patience with you for the future. Because being, let's say, a conscientious observer or just someone who is a bystander, well, he says he changed, but I don't know if I'm going to take him back. Come on, Delilah! You know, and you want to believe somebody, or maybe you, you really wish with your organs, with your heart, with your mind, that this person is different than perhaps the one who hurt you or made a mistake before. Okay. That would be inconsistent with their past, right? Because they've consistently either made a mistake, hurt you, or otherwise. Okay. How do you believe? How do you believe? And there's an interesting question I asked myself that's a faith-based question, which is, if you still believe in a higher spiritual power that would have been responsible or sort of the guardianship or the, the lifeguard over this entire situation and allowed it to happen. Now, how do you believe in that authority around the individual people who made the individual mistakes? See, when there's a company that has employees that are not of the most charismatic and outgoing and let's say they're not the most upstanding folks for you to be around. They create a hostile working environment, an undesirable atmosphere. You would hold the company accountable. You go up, up to the, you know, right? You would appeal to a higher authority. Now, you're, because you believe in the higher authority, now, think about that. Everything that happens, whether good or bad, every single relationship falls under that higher authority. Not the, indivi now, the individual people, they'll come and go, right? So, person A was good to you, person B was bad to you, C was good, D was bad, E was bad. Okay. Now, three out of five are bad, two out of five are good. Every one of those bad people falls underneath 
position itself would be something that is allowed or is played out under the guise of this higher authority. Everyone. Now, you could say the good things also happen that way, and it's supposed to kind of counterbalance, and that's why you can throw out the individual elements. But folks, if you're going to continue to believe, and you're going to continue to have faith in any way, shape, or form, the true conviction, and the most awesome thing for me, is for you to be able to see someone who has been in a worse situation have a redemption song to be able to redeem themselves. I talked in the last episode about the Shawshank Redemption, right? And whether the guy is rightfully, wrongfully convicted, it's, it's what he actually is able to do with his future, despite how people purvey or how they see him. He's consistently lived, oh man, and then he hit this one, two, three. He hit this situation where you now see him filtered in a completely different light. And that's all you'll ever see him as, right? You'll consistently see him as this uglier version of a person. He doesn't live up to the previous expectations that you had for him because you thought he was going to keep rising and rising and you know that was just going to... Just out of sight, right? He was never going to get anything but better. He made a decision. He plateaued. Maybe he went back. Maybe he bottomed out. And you don't have enough faith in, like, let's say that given person to be able to get out of that situation, to counteract that situation. Now, you wouldn't give up on your, perhaps your family member, your son, your daughter, your blood. But this significant other... It's okay. We'll just abandon them. There's somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm too young or I'm getting too old. Life is precious. I can't waste any time, etc. Okay. However, if good things come to those who wait and the ultimate sort of comeback story is worth so much more to you in, in an inner spiritual way, you will have experienced something that is far greater in terms of bottom to top, in terms of growth, than if, if you find someone who's already on a level playing field, right? They're average, and then they're somewhat special. Then they went from average to somewhat special. And if you have someone who was at rock bottom, who is below, who is basically fighting against the odds. They're the underdog. They've gone from far below average to fighting up to average and then up to special. They've come that much farther. They work that much harder. You can look at it like they dropped the ball, but people as a human race otherwise consistently make mistakes. It's a world of variables. Not every recipe works out. We have quality control. and Not every car is going to just ride on down the road and never have a problem, right? We have recalls. We have all kinds of, like I've said, class action lawsuits. Sometimes people take shortcuts on purpose and they remain in business doing very underhanded things until we catch them and we try to make them pay. 
But maybe they outsmarted us because from the beginning they charged a higher price point because they knew one day there would be a settlement. And so they kept all of that money and they put a little bit of money aside for a rainy day, for a settlement. And then they gave you the settlement and they kept the rest. They got away like thieves. They robbed the bank. They buried the money. You never found the money. They got out of jail. They went and they got the money. It's it's something that people have a hard time seeing because when I talk about consistency and people, they go, yep, I can go to every Cracker Barrel in the country and the recipes are supposed to taste the same. There's a, a wonderful book, Eric. Oh, if you don't know it and he's not coming to mind, you ought to know it, but I guess it's Food, Inc. and Fast Food Nation and those movies are, are loosely based on the same literature. Um, but... There's a discussion about how how does every meal at McDonald's or how is it expected to taste the same 12 months out of the year when produce and these things don't grow 12 months out of the year. And you'd have to ship them across the country, et cetera, et cetera. How could they be fresh ingredients with a climate that doesn't support that? And the answer is engineering. Engineering can make things consistent. It could also make things inconsistent. But when you start talking about math and throwing out math and saying 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4 or it's up for grabs, it's up for debate, you've undermined engineering. Your iPhone smart device otherwise will not work without the coding and the science of mathematics. This podcast is not capable of happening without mathematics. You can't listen to it without mathematics. Your car doesn't work that way. There is no piece of modern technology that doesn't involve mathematics. It's all, whether it's got to be hand-tooled, mechanized in some way, shape, or form, the automation otherwise. It's all done with coding, with mathematics, with you know physics that are a result of mathematical and scientific equations and so forth. It's God damn ridiculous to think that anybody would try to throw those things out the window and then, and then, and do it on the same platforms and with the same technology made possible by mathematics, they would then argue against the existence or the consistency of the very means by which they're delivering their message. Think about it, folks. People who, <laughs> they, they talk about, Bernie Sanders was at the debate, I guess, with Bloomberg, and he says, you know, he's going to tax all these billionaires, he's going to do these things. And it was the most eviscerating line, I think it's where Bernie just dropped out, dead in people's minds. And I'll have to see if I could find the clip. Bernie says something to, to Bloomberg about... Taxing billionaires and Bloomberg's income and, and all the things he does. Bloomberg talks about how he gives all this money back to charity. He does all this goodwill work for the public and, and what he does with some of that money. And then proceeds to tell Bernie Sanders that as a millionaire socialist who owns three homes. And <laughs> I, just, I, I just sat there and went, oh, fuck. Because here's Bernie Sanders who's got... <laughs> A vacation home and everything else, and he's arguing about 
people being too wealthy and but essentially he as a person in the society he is built this utopia in his head where everything's equal and people don't have too much and people who have too much have to give it away he would be above and beyond what's reasonable and what's average and and Bloomberg just laid it out in front of him said here you are a socialist with you know and i just lost my co- i was watching it you know and we John, a friend of mine, and myself, we talk about a lot of these political things, and just it's not done on a podcast. It's two people talking politics because because that's really what it where it belongs in America. Um, it could be done in a town hall or otherwise, but you don't need the social media, all your bullshit out there. And you know, I just remember us talking about how political debates turned into these wrestling oriented forums where the guys just attack each other's characters it's got nothing to do with the question they avoid all accountability they're all these you know chicken cowardly figures who a tough question comes along and they give you this teflon answer where you know goodwill and charisma and all those things apply but they don't take any personal or individual stance to address what would be a mathematical or, let's say, a pervasive right and wrong in those areas. What do you think we ought to do about schools? You think that issue is something? How do you feel about that? Yes or no? Well, you know, I think the environments as an individual, they all have got unique circumstances, and so I can't really say... (laughs) It's just so odd... That it's like that. And then, you know, they would throw something at Trump who just forgot all about that. What do you think about so-and-so's policies over there, Mr. Trump? Uh, He's picking his nose. You really want somebody in the White House who's going to pick his nose? I don't pick my nose. And it's just just the most playground-oriented crap. It's as if those guys went up and had a spelling bee. And Trump sat in the crowd with a laser pointer just shining it up on the guy's face. You know, or in any kind of talent show. It could be juggling, it could be whatever. But it's very much like those guys, they just all they wanted to do was undermine each other. We consistently had pretty good political discussions for an extended period of time in this country. It never got so bitter and it wasn't so dishonest and so forth. And then in modern times, it got swerved into this very, very ugly, you can't, it's not transparent, and it's all muddy waters, and anybody who gets in it comes out dirty. Now you're going to see the ratings on the television shows, and I know, you know, Trump will probably be all over this, but what are you going to watch for now, right? You, there's no personal attacks to be had. You can't just pick apart this comic book character all the time. You lose the superstar that is Donald Trump to talk about. And so where you had four years of consistently bashing him and having his theme and his face and his words and his whether you like what he said, whether you thought he was a jackass, but it, he was the central character of this story. And you just took him and just threw him overboard. Right? You had an election. We we're throwing that son of a bitch out. Now you don't need to watch the news because you feel safe again. Or because there would be far, far less controversy, right? The world is right again. So these organizations, these news 
type folks who made their living off of his character have to find a different way to go about it. And there's no way to duplicate that popularity. And it's happened throughout many, many, many things as time has gone on. NBC is about to launch Law & Order Organized Crime with, is his name Chris Maloney? But it's... It's the return of what was the central, like the most iconic or attention-getting character out of Law and Order SVU Special Victims Unit, and he left the show, and that show just kind of, you know, and so now they thought, well, you know what we'll do? We'll start up a new series, and we'll bring him back, and people will watch him, and that's true. That's true. You know, The Rock. He was very popular. He was in wrestling, and then he left wrestling, and he did a few things that people just didn't care about. or He just wasn't as popular to, to go do the Tooth Fairy and the John Travolta movies, and he did a few action flicks, right? But once he started hitting his stride of, you know, I'm the, I'm the rock, and I'm in G.I. Joe, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get recognized, and he built up this consistency of he's in the gym all the time. He's clanging and banging, and he's the rock, and he's... He, became and has maintained this character that doesn't go away, right? And Trump can take that character and that brand, that attitude with him everywhere. But it's his, and he can do what he wants with it. And that's consistency. He owns that. Whether he defrauded people in his Trump University, what he did with real estate projects and his taxes, and all, that's purely detail-oriented pieces of the story like those things will come and go over time you can debate each of those aspects it's like the wins and losses of if you you're a big rick flair person you love football and you like how they styling and profiling and kiss stealing and wheeling you know they're always stealing the phrases from rick flair right as if rick flair was this crazy awesome wrestling world champion he never drew really big crowds not for long periods of time he didn't make a tremendous amount of money in fact there's a a heartland i encourage you to go google put in heartland and rick flair and there's this very ugly article that if you were a rick flair fan you're a north carolina wrestling fan that you know, Flair apparently took like the heavyweight championship belt and robes and many other things that having to do with his profession and his superstardom and leveraged them as collateral on many different loans and things that people did. And then he didn't try to pay people back. And he was like, I'm not paying you back. I'm Ric Flair. And they were like, no, we loaned you real money, asshole. And then he didn't pay him back and they sued him. And, and that happened time and time again. Here's a guy who consistently spent more money than he brought in. ESPN has a a very heartbreaking, a very it's somewhat entertaining, but it's really sad. ESPN 30 for 30 has an episode called Broke, where they talk about athletes who don't realize when you sign a $5 million contract, you give away a large portion of that in taxes. Where people don't realize your prime and your ability to earn that kind of money is a is a very short window of your life, and you have to live the rest of your life off of that athlete money. There are very few broadcasting jobs and things for you to do after you sit on the bench or they take away your jersey and you retire. So you've got to play it smart. 
And people just weren't getting that, right? And part of that documentary that's so sad is, you know, guys would talk, several people talk about how they went through the regular season in football, 14, 16 games, right? 18 weeks now because they get two bye weeks or whatever it is. And, I mean, these guys had spent their contract, the entire contract, not the part after taxes. They had spent the whole contract worth of money by like week 10, 12, 13. It, and it was just so sad. You know, these guys who, they never really went through college and, and very intense and just the kind of financial planning that someone like that really needs. They threw money at guys who could draw a crowd and could play a game. And those guys spent their money and then they were broke. Many of them live very sad lives uh, right after or sometimes long after uh, the game is over. They did not take and consistently make choices that were <laughs> healthy for their financial or, you know, the welfare of their future. Trump... And I, I won't say that he's done that, that he's he's protected his character, that's for sure, right? He has maintained his, he's going to tell, a, it, you know, what's the old saying? He'd rather climb a tree and tell a lie than stand on the ground and tell the truth, right? I mean, and, and Trump will go to the grave telling these same old stories, but he's playing a TV character. And maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's like these these old wrestlers and, and people who just, they don't know who they are versus who their TV personality is. And what's so problematic about that in the rounded way that I'm going to finish this episode up here is that you have that same mentality throughout society. People jump onto social media. They start playing this character and saying outlandish things behind a keyboard, whether it's a digital keyboard or a desktop, laptop, and then it's almost like they have to defend or play out the outrageousness of these wild-eyed notions that they take when they're on a digital platform. Hey, man, imagine if, you know, they see something in a video game, they see something in a movie, and now they are going to try that. And they're grown folks, and they dress up, and they go to Comic-Cons, and they go to movies, and they, you know, it's Halloween far more days out of the year than one, right? They grow up, and their children are their friends or their peers, not their responsibilities. And now you have an entire society of people who just melds together as one large group of thespians. Forget pronouns. Everybody's a thespian. They're playing this character and this role where she's, uh, you know, I can't believe Nancy Pelosi did that. Well, you know, you guys have painted these pictures of people for such a long time that in order for them to be able to be accountable, they have to play that character. People won't let them down, right? It's like, well, you remember when you said this? It's fucking outrageous and it's the internet. The whole point of being able to say things in chat rooms and so forth from the old days was it's not real life. It's a break from reality. It's just like 
talking into your headset on Xbox Live or your PlayStation, whatever. You're playing a game, you're talking trash, and then you cut it off and you go back to the real world. How many of your neighbors do you know that have said some wild shit on social media? Oh, old Jim over there, he's that QA9 and he believes this and that about sex trafficking and Trump and right, you got all these things that you automatically lump together, right? Because you correlate those things and you interrelate them in your head. So if he if he believes one, he must believe the others. And you've painted them to fly this flag over any one belief that covers all of these other things. These other countries that say death to America or they don't like our country because of Trump, right? So no no, he's he ain't my president. The fuck he's not your president. I can go to the White House and shake hands with the president. There's only one. There's only one that's going to be listed in history, Wikipedia, whatever. This idea that he's not the president is, is it's outrageous. I was only driving 95, your officer. That's not speeding. The fuck it's not. It's the law. And that is consistency. And these ideas that people come up with where they live in an alternate reality and they pronounce things like like a person is not, oh, he ain't my president. Really? Is that how it goes? You go to work and try to pull that crap. Yeah, old Larry over there might sit in the general manager's office, but he ain't my superior. And the fuck he's not. You work for him. He makes your schedule. I promise. And I don't need to tell that to you. You know, I don't know my, why my word is worth more than your imagination. He is your superior. And if you don't believe in reality, and I've talked about this many times on this podcast, then you're going to have a strong disconnect with things like math and science. Emotions are a wonderful way of trying to understand and communicate with each other. You're empathetic to one another. I am extremely empathetic. If I watch... You know, and I talked about this in a previous episode where if, if I watch a sad movie, I can put myself right in that writer or that storyline's atmosphere, and then I can feel the joy or the sadness or otherwise, right? You watch movies, you watch The Pursuit of Happiness with, uh, I guess that's Will Smith, right? And you can feel really good when Chris or whatever his character is is, is successful. And the same thing is true in so many of those triumph oriented kind of movies. You also find yourself feeling really tragic and sad in some of the more depressing movies. Narratives that are, you know, you watch Braveheart and it's an inspiring tale, but then they cut the head off of William Wallace. The the complex idea that underlies those things ought to be hope and faith in something better. When people are forced to live and function in these realities, these alternate universes more or less, where we are just slinging paint all over each other, we're, we're painting things in our own, filtering them in our own ways. We're coloring them however we'd like to see them. We put different shades on to look at something see it in a different light now that's extremely helpful to be an objective person 
However, <laughs> and like working for the railroad, if you go switch the tracks because the train needs to go down that track, you're doing your job and you're doing a good thing because you're redirecting a train that should go in that direction. Well, if you are hijacking a train, more or less, right? If you're redirecting something in a, a direction that it doesn't need to go in, You're up to no good. You are. You're up to no good. If you know something to be false information and start pushing it around, that's not funny. That's not humor. That's fucked up. I may say things that are completely plausible, but they're simply outrageous. Now, I give people a certain amount of credit as human beings in our standardized education system, that you can see through my bullshit. Oh, he says 28% of statistics. Of, uh, well, they're all made up, right? So that means the other 72% are real statistics. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think you that's a bullshit statistic. Yes, it is. It's my way of saying you can lie with statistics. It's very obvious. It's right, right in the open, right? So many things that I say are just right in the open. And it's meant to be that way. You're meant to look at it in an outrageous way. However, people have consistently turned the tide in this country. The narrative and, and their linguistics, all of it goes in the direction, for the most part, of creating a more believable lie. And for a person like me who's been going through some some therapeutic changes of trying to be like emotionally connected to be able to be more accountable and say, "Look, I'm I'm a person who can be trusted and loyal and so forth." If you live in a society where the fabric of the society continues to unravel and on a daily basis we just see how full of shit everybody is, it makes what I'm doing that much more special. However, it makes it that much more outrageous at the same time. Both things, right, happen at the same time. I'm, I'm on a course for progress. Somebody else might look at that and be like, nah, you're on a roller coaster. You know, I, that's not true, right? I, but it's really hard to look at that against a moving background. If you try to put your makeup on in a funhouse mirror, it's not going to turn out very well. It's done, right? Oh, that's outrageous. Who would do such a thing? Think about it. In this society, it's just hip to be pranking people and lying to people. People get a kick out of it. They, they think it's like their actual character, their responsibility to be part of these increasingly outrageous groups. They love to cheer for the villains. So we've created entire sequel-based like we got movie series, television series, the, all of these productions that are based around the phenomenon of a serial killer, of the villain winning, of the guy getting away with it.
we lost the sense of creating a better mousetrap or solving the problem and became more astonished and just befuddled, I guess, the, the fans or the fan base. And I don't know if they became disillusioned with, you know, positivity and truth and justice and that kind of thing. But there's a completely different fan base and a big enough fan base that just cheers on the guy who can come up with the more complex scheme. This Ocean's Eleven kind of bullshit for everyday life where he's he's going to find his way out of it. He's, you know, nothing sticks to him. You've created this entire society, which is where people are so full of shit that if Trump can get away with being even more full of shit, he can steal the, you know, he stole the presidency. Did he? Does it matter at this point? You're saying he's lying, he's saying you're lying. And you're all standing in a field full of manure, right? It's just a minefield of cow pies. And everywhere you step, you just get muddy. You just get dirty. And nobody looks at that and says, you know what that is? That's a lot of fertilizer. We're going to be able to grow a garden with that. We could dig that up and have worms to go fishing. Nobody's looking at it in a positive way. They can smell what's going on. As, the, the, as I mentioned, the rock, or they smell what the rock is cooking or, or the bull is cooking. And I just look at it and, and think to myself how wild it is that people have merged entertainment with their reality to cheer on the bad guy. For real. They're really cheering on the bad guy. Whether you think that's Biden or Trump or whatever, it's a consistent pattern in our society. Now, to sit back and root for disaster. George Carlin was a, a wonderful speaker. He's a great writer, great comedian, right? He talked about how he, he'd given up on the human race and he was just an observer. He had no stake in the outcome anymore. <laughs> it's so strange that so many folks have this vested interest in their favorite television show, which is the news, which is this narrative based on a lie that we live in, right? They're invested in those dishonesties. They don't have the facts right. They're just passionate about their favorite characters, whether it be members of the house, your local community, oppressed people, whatever it is. They've got their favorites, and they create their physics and their mathematics and their math and science is based around lies. Now they want to come after real mathematics. They want to avert changes to our real world, to the actual social fabric of our country, based on this imagination that they're living in, this dream world they're living in. And you can't... It's great that the city of San Francisco let that guy, the, the little boy, be Batman for a day, right? It's great to have charity. It's great to suspend disbelief for a little while. 
<laughs> the difference is <laughs> wrestling today, like we know <laughs> how it works, right? We know that the show is loosely based on realistic things, but it's not anything that you should get all up in arms about. And you certainly should not take it as fiction versus nonfiction in any way, shape, or form. It's entertainment. They have taken that model from when, you know, wrestling used to be the highest rated TV shows too. They've taken that model into politics. Donald Trump, member of the WWE Hall of Fame, he was, you know, a host of several WrestleManias and things. <laughs> and the news and the communities around you and the people around you have become these characters in this fictional storyline. And it's fucking up your real life. And I know they believe, and maybe even you do too, the part of it's part of it is realistic. Oh man, that 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 part over there—that's real. I feel it. Okay. It's designed for you to feel it. It's designed to pull on your heartstrings. It's your responsibility to look past all of that stuff and be able to see through as as I wrote in this wonderful poem I think it's in like one of the first five episodes of this podcast it's your responsibility to see through the bluff to find a lighthouse to find a person a belief system some basis in the real world see through all the smoke and mirrors and get your fucking head on straight. People who are risking things like mathematics, they did it before, right? We had evolution in the textbooks, we know what science is, and then they snuck in intelligent design and creationism. <laughs> and now, and now, Think about that. The same folks, you know, and you've got a whole society of people now who are arguing against the vaccine. Here's this nurse, doesn't want to take the vaccine, goes home, has sex with her husband. He used Viagra. Oh. Her son, he ate a chocolate cake, and he went into an epileptic attack, so they stabbed him with an EpiPen. And her daughter had a headache, so they gave her Advil. Now, what, what do we have in common with these situations? Pfizer who makes the vaccine, makes the EpiPen, makes the Advil, and makes the Viagra. If you don't trust that company or their vaccine, why in the hell are you doing everything to support their other products? So many people in this country have a prescription for products made by this same company, but they would not take their vaccine. Ain't that strange? Think about it, people. Consistency. Hope you guys have a good one. There's so much more to be said about this and other subjects, so stay tuned for the future episodes of Michael L. Craver Presents, wherever you're listening to those. You can support me on social media, whether it be on Facebook or going to iTunes and leave a review or otherwise. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen. This has been one of the longer episodes. It's a lot to think about, right? What do you believe in? 
That's the opening part of the the Dark Knight from Christopher Nolan. What do you believe in? Oh, criminals in this town used to believe in things. Honor. Respect. Look at you. What do you believe in, huh? What do you believe in? I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you a stranger. Folks, it's been our pleasure at Michael L. Craver Presents to bring you this fine podcast. Be sure that you like, you subscribe, you leave a review. If you've enjoyed what you had to hear today, you can listen on all your favorite media platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Tell Alexa to play Michael L. Craver Presents. Take care of yourself out there.